The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on ESPN 106.7. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. I'm with you for the next two hours here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader, ESPN 106.7. Hope you're doing well. A little bit warmer out today. I put on a, a long sleeve and put on the jacket, walked outside, and was like, nope, don't need that, and put it back inside. Uh, before coming to the station. So I hope you're doing well on this Tuesday. Lots to get to on the show today. Uh, It is Tuesday, which means Double D. Daryl Dapperts will join us coming up in hour number two. He'll join us at 315 for 30 minutes talking all things Auburn athletics, football, basketball, baseball, right around the corner, you name it. We'll talk about it with Double D. And as I mentioned yesterday at the end of the show, very excited uh, to welcome this guy back to the studio. Been way too long. As Christian Clemente from Auburn 247, Auburn Undercover, joining us in studio for all of our number one. Man, welcome back. Like I said, it, it's been forever since we've had you in the studio. Yeah, it has been. I, uh, I had to pull up the GPS to get over here. I wasn't really <laughs> sure where I was going, but no, it's good to be back. It's just been a, I mean, it's been crazy for you. It's been crazy for me. It's yes. that time of the year a little bit, um, especially when football and basketball overlaps there and then goes into signing day for me, obviously. So it's crazy but luckily it's slowing down a little bit yeah I mean the the end of football season and and into basketball season and you know we talk all the time about the calendar for uh for these coaches and for these players but the calendar for you my friend has been just insane with the month of December with everything going on there look when you stack the transfer portal on top of signing day it's ridiculous something's got to change and I'm sure they're working on it and that's something that they're doing Look, I, I honestly feel really bad for the coaches and the personnel people, the people that work behind the scenes. Like, they have it, I don't know, half as bad as they have it. Mm-hmm. The amount of stuff that they have to do, I mean, it is just, it is insane. And, of course, the NCAA has made it a horrible mess. Of course. I mean, we're not surprised by that. I no. mean, it's just, that's just how it goes. And so, uh, Christian joining us in studio for all of our number one. We're talking all things recruiting. What's been happening? Let's get caught up on everything. Plus, what can we expect moving forward as we have turned the calendar to 2024, as we look ahead to uh, what's technically signing day coming up next month, and then uh, what will happen in the spring and beyond. And so, with this entire hour, phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. Questions for us, Christian, me, anything you want to talk about, anything we're talking about that you want to jump in on and be a part of the conversation, uh, we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. That number is 334-321-1390. Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover, Auburn 247, with us the entire first hour. And so you can uh, come in and be a part of of the show and so let's kind of start with all of that I mean what a crazy last couple of months that it's been and we're going to get into specifics and particulars and stuff kind of as we go in this first hour but 
I mean, as the season kind of wrapped up for Auburn with the New Mexico State game and then the Iron Bowl, we know how big of a recruiting weekend that was. And then the time in between that and the bowl game, I mean, it's just been a a disaster for everybody involved people that cover it like yourself people that talk about it like me and then yeah the coaches and players that are the ones actually doing it yeah it's been I mean it's been crazy the amount of work that they've had to put in uh, you know especially for this staff um, coming in late I mean that's the way recruiting works we've talked about it ad nauseum on the show it's a two-year cycle really at minimum for yeah. these elite guys so pretty much everyone they were recruiting they were behind on I mean heck they were behind on 2025 guys so they had to work really, really hard throughout the season. And you even heard Hugh Freeze talk about it at certain points, saying, look, I, I really wasn't involved in the game plan that much because I was trying to recruit. I was trying to get guys on campus. Um, and, you know, I'd be curious to see what how Auburn fans would respond. Would would they rather have Cam Coleman or would they rather have a seventh win? You know, it, it's kind of that, – that's how you play it almost a little bit. And Yeah, you think that's what it's come down to almost? I mean, in certain situations that may have been – because that's definitely what we heard, right? That's what we heard was – was, you know, Hugh Freeze may not have been fully engaged in a game week because he was out on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he was fully engaged in recruiting. He was kind of being the head recruiter, which that was kind of the sacrifice that I think Hugh and I think the staff probably deemed necessary in the sense of let's go out and sign the best possible recruiting class that we really can. And right now they're number seven or number eight, depending on where you look. And it's a really, really good class that fills a lot of holes that mm-hmm. Auburn needed, especially at wide receiver. It is on paper the best wide receiver class in Auburn history. Um, it has a chance to maybe get a little bit better, too, if you had – not a little bit, a lot better if you had <laughs> Ryan Williams. Yeah, a lot better. Um, but it's just – it's a really good class, and I know a lot of fans were disappointed with the way the season ended with that skid with New Mexico State and the Iron Bowl and then the bowl game just totally coming out flat. But, I mean, if, if it pays off in recruiting, then it pays off, and I think the roster is upgraded pretty substantially going into 2024 well before we get into what happened in the early signing day early signing period back in December and I say back that was only about a month ago but I guess like a year ago it does feel like a year ago it really does I mean just so much happens every single day especially with the portal being open and then coaches being fired and coaches leaving and and guys still being able to enter the transfer portal because you get extensions with coaches leaving and all of that mess Um, before we get into all of that um at the end of the season, right, you talked about that skid with New Mexico State, with the Iron Bowl, with the bowl game coming out as flat as they did. I mean, did you have a good feeling going into the early signing day because of all of that? I mean, what was kind of the kind of the the, the feeling around the recruiting for 2024, given what had happened and kind of the tailspin that Auburn had gone in down the stretch? Uh, I didn't really have too much concern, to be honest, because I think this staff played it very smart in how they were pitching it to players and how they were talking to guys saying look you have a chance to contribute right away we need you for this team right away the thing I always go back to is you know when Jason Caldwell and I went out to Arkansas to see Walker White for the first game of uh, his season you know we did a video interview with him and he was saying look I think Auburn's going to make it to a bowl game he wasn't being he wasn't being sold Auburn's going to compete for the SEC this year Mm -hmm. he was being sold look we're fighting for a bowl game this year and that's exactly what Auburn was they were fighting for a bowl game they weren't telling Cam Coleman they weren't telling Perry Thompson they weren't telling Amaris Williams they weren't telling all these guys look we're we're going to compete for the SEC this year you're going to be a part of that right away they're saying look we're building right now this is this is year zero this is year one we're really trying to this is the first step then you're a part of that step where we are competing for the SEC and competing to make the 12-team playoff. So 
when they started to skid there at the end, I wasn't really overly concerned. Um, you're still early enough in your tenure during year one where you can really kind of, I don't want to say get away with it, but you know, you won't be negatively recruited as heavily as a guy like a Billy Napier who's in year two right. and skidding down the stretch because yeah. at that point you've had a little bit more time. So Hugh Freeze is kind of selling, look, these aren't my guys. You're my guys and I need you guys to come in. And that's pretty much exactly what he did. What a crazy situation that is in Florida, huh? I mean, what a wild development. And they've picked up some here and there in the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, we want to talk about an implosion. It's Gainesville. Gainesville with, with Billy Napier. I mean, what a disaster. It's That 2024 schedule is tough, man. Uh, oh, it's and it's yeah. you know, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. And they lost so many players from yep. the portal and their recruiting. I mean, signing day was not kind to them by any means uh, about a month ago back in December. Yeah, I mean, they they put all their chips into DJ Lagway and LJ McCray, and that was they held on, but their class went from being ranked like number three or number four to maybe top 15, somewhere in that. So yeah, they lost a lot of dudes. Um, our old buddy from Auburn, Keith Neaver, who's down there with the on three site. Now I'm starting to think he's bad luck. He went straight. <laughs> he covered Hugh freeze for like a couple months, but he really went straight from Brian Harson down to Billy Napier. So he's, He's having a tough stretch of covering recruiting a little bit. And opposite with our friend Jordan Hill at Dogs 247. Yeah. He leaves Auburn, goes to Athens, and they become national champions. Yes. So, you know, I, whatever. You know, we will only give Jordan Hill a lot of crap on this show. And we'll talk to him tomorrow, too, and I'll make sure that we give him some there as well. But uh, you were talking about that, and, and I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, in year one, under a new staff, under a new head coach, and and frankly, a staff that we didn't know if they would, how much of them would survive or not. There's obviously been a ton of change there. We'll get to that today as well. You can kind of get away with going on the trail and saying, look, here's what's happened here. That wasn't us. That's not what we plan on being. We plan on competing in the next couple of years with you being a, a key piece in that. And I think Hugh Freeze did a really, really good job of selling that. He's done that in 2024. You get to that early signing day, and what a huge day in Auburn history. That could be if everything pans out. I mean, just recruiting-wise, though, you mentioned the receivers and everything else. I mean, what a massive day that was for Auburn football recruiting back in December. Yeah, I mean, it was huge. You it was a big win to hold on to Perry Thompson as Alabama tried to make it close there down the stretch. And then the other thing was you picked up Amaris Williams, who a lot of people were disappointed. They didn't get KJ Bolden, didn't get LJ McCray. Everyone was like, Oh, only got Amaris Williams. Yeah. Well, only. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yesterday, 24 seven sports updated its rankings and Amaris Williams is a five-star now. Yep. So, uh, Pretty happy about that. Auburn is. Yeah, so. not not a bad uh, backdoor get right there on signing day. I mean, it, yeah, you, know. you, you weren't even talking like we weren't even talking about Amaris Williams like a month before. Right. Like it just kind of slowly worked behind the scenes and then it all crescendoed very quickly there at the very end. But yeah, I mean, it was such a big you got what you needed. Your linebacker room is pretty set for the future and you're mm-hmm. going to sign another good class in 2025. You got some good pieces on the D line. They feel like they got some really good pieces in the secondary in what's a down year in O-line recruiting in 2024, they feel like they got a really, really good developmental piece in favor Edwin. That's one I forgot on signing day as well. They yeah. got him. Um, you got DeAndre Carter, who they value very, very highly. And then Seth Wilford, who's already a Juco guy, a little seasoned, and they think a guy that could take over for Tutal Miller next year at the right tackle spot. Obviously, the wide receivers, anytime you talk about Auburn's 24 class, it's going to be that. And then Walker White was their quarterback that they loved. Um, and he kind of proved it a little bit at the All-American Bowl. Out yeah, there he had San a great Antonio. performance. Yes, he had a great performance in the game. 
throughout the week he was the best quarterback every single day at practice wow um for his team you know obviously didn't get to see both teams each day mm-hmm. but talking to the people that were watching other practices and everything i mean walker was far and away the best quarterback there now he went into the event ranked the highest out of those guys some of the other guys had dropped out mm-hmm. um but Look, he proved he proved his ranking. He got a bump up because of it. Well, and I think that's important too because there had become a lot of narratives about Walker White in his senior year in high school, where you know his completion percentage wasn't the sexiest thing in the world, and maybe his senior year wasn't just the greatest thing in the history of high school football, right? And it seemed to be that there was starting to be a little concern from Auburn fans about Walker White, but man, you we all know how good of a recruiter he was. I mean, he he's up there with Hugh Freeze as the <laughs> best recruiter at Auburn right now, and and then to go down there and perform that well in San Antonio, you and Jason Caldwell were down there, and you were kind of telling me about that trip before we came on the air, and, and for him to, to go down there and perform like that, I think that should give Auburn fans a ton of confidence with him being in the room where there is such a big question mark right now yes absolutely I think that was that was the game of course everyone got to see because it's on national television they're like oh he's he's got a chance to you know contribute in year one do Mm -hmm. I think that he will be the starter in year one no but I think he has a chance and he'll be given that chance the thing with Walker is he's always been a toolsy quarterback he's had a lot of those tools he's flashed them at times he's struggled in a couple areas like completion percentage at times but you also have to look at the offense that he's running, the throws that he's making down the field, launching deep balls, stuff like that. Those aren't going to be high percentage passes necessarily, but he's always had the tools, been really, really good. Auburn liked him for a reason. There's a reason a lot of other schools liked him as well. Um, and you know, once you put him in the right system, a little bit of development, I think he could be a really, really good quarterback. You may not be able to put an exact number on this, but just your feeling, Christian. Um, with Walker White... How many players do you think he was the reason that came to Auburn? Like, I mean, because we know how just vocal he was and how, I mean, he's wearing jackets with uncommitted guys' names on the back of it at the Iron Bowl. I mean, just stuff like that that we've never really seen from high school players before. I mean, if you just had to take a guess, how many players do you think he was one of the major reasons why, hey, maybe I should give Auburn a chance because this guy is just preaching about this place? Hmm, that's a, a tough question. question it's a tough question I think all of the receivers to an extent uh, yeah you know, we talked with Perry Thompson at one point and we were asking him who do you think is going to be the starter in 2024 and he's like look I'm really high on Walker he's like I love Walker I think that's he's huge. really really good yeah um, so I think that was important I think DeAndre Carter coming all the way from California I think Walker connected with him very well gave him that comfortability a little bit um, look I think he had an impact really on every guy that committed after him to to some extent at mm-hmm. least just talking with them he was working so much more than people see just on Twitter behind the scenes. He was working so much. And even in San Antonio with guys that were signed, um, and you know, he doesn't realize guys are signed yet. And one guy was saying, yeah, I'm going to Alabama. He's like, well, you could go to Auburn. He's like, well, I'm, I'm signed already. He's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, never mind then. Yeah, but, just just pull that in, a, in, in a, or that uh, national letter of intent away. Just, yeah. just pull that away and just, you know, get it ripped up. It's fine. Yeah, but no, he – look, he played a huge part, and I think – I think Auburn knew what it was getting in terms of who Walker is as a person, right. and what he's like off the field. I don't know if they thought it would be that good, though, in terms of how he was as a recruiter, how vocal he is. Even now, you see him. I think he's been to like every men's basketball yeah. game. He's been to some of the women's basketball games, too, I think. I've you never know. seen anything like it, yeah, Christian. He's, yeah, he's jumping up and down with Aubby right there along the baseline. Like, he loves Auburn, man. Yes, he does. A kid from Arkansas, he just and his family went to Arkansas, but he, just, he loves Auburn. Hey, that's what you want, man. That's what you want to be the – 
I say the anchor of the class, That's and I don't mean anchor in a bad way. That's the guy that's been there. He's the solid foundation yes. of that class. That's the better way to put it, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly what he was for this class. And so Auburn up to number eight, according to you guys at 247 uh, for 2024, and you guys just had some new rankings come out. Any adjustments? There were a few for Auburn players before we get to first break. Yeah, so Walker went from 97 to 41, so he's QB5 in the class What now. a jump. Yeah, Cam Coleman – continues to rise he went from eight to five um which mm. you know you might think oh only three spots look when you're that high three spots is pretty significant that's huge yeah in terms of being in the top 10 he took the biggest jump up um amaris williams like i said went up to five star status both of the receivers the other receivers i should say bryce kane and malcolm simmons continue to rise they're 150 and 151 now who are great receivers yes. man people fa- they fail to mention those names and i feel like they're gonna i mean they're gonna pay for that in a good way because those are great receivers man they're really really good look i think malcolm might need a little bit of seasoning just to settle in and he won't be here until the summer but he's really 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 athletic i mean he just won some state track events just the other day yeah and he's not even he's not playing track he's playing basketball he just went out to the track meet and he just went out there and won he's just that dude yeah and bryce kane is one of the fastest players i think i've ever seen in person wow um, other rankings updates perry thompson slipped a couple spots he's outside of five-star status with 24 7 but he is still a composite five-star um and then deandre carter dipped down as well um didn't he Look, Auburn knew what it was getting in DeAndre Carter when they took him. They don't care about the rankings. They don't care about 24-7. They don't care about on three. They don't care about rivals. They don't care about the rankings. They knew what they were getting. He's not going to be the sexiest guy in terms of offensive lineman frame. He's just a really good football player. Like He was playing left tackle out there in San Antonio, which Mm -hmm. is not – that's what he's played at modern day, but he's a guard in college football all the way. I think he can be a really, really good guard. He's a smart player. Um, He's kind of exactly what Jake Thornton likes along the offensive line. So – he did take a rankings hit, but at the end of the day, does that matter when he steps on the field at Auburn? Not one bit. No, so. probably not. And I think that gives you a lot of flexibility with him as well. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. Do you want to talk some recruiting? That's what we're talking about all in hour number one with Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. We'll talk some more about signing day back in December, kind of the guys that are rolling into campus right now, and then later on in this hour, talk about what's coming up. What can we expect from Auburn football recruiting as we get into late January and early February? That's all coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line with Jacob Goins as we're joined by Christian Clemente. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Christian. How y'all doing today? Doing good, Terry. Good. Got a question and, and, a, and a recruiting question also. for Okay. Me. Christian. First of all, do you guys have any thoughts on the defensive coordinator? And what kind of time frame are we looking at? Do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's been a ton of uh, ton of conversation about this right now, and and you know, there's been names flying around. I believe two four seven nationally kind of put out a, a story uh, yesterday, I think, about um, DJ Durkin kind of being in the lead type of thing for the defensive coordinator. There's so, been a ton of conversation about it. I think that was two days ago. Because, was that Sunday? Okay. Yeah, because since that point, um, Jason has put it out there for our subscribers that it's kind of trending towards Chris Kiffin now again. It's mm-hmm. kind of gone back and forth. Thankfully, I think we're reaching a reaching an end here soon. I think we should know maybe something tomorrow or at least within the next 48 hours. By the end of the week, at the very latest, in my opinion, I think, I think 
that's the way it's going. Look, it's come back and forth so many times already, but I, if I had to pick a guy right now, I would lean towards Chris Kiffin. I kind of wonder about Chris Kiffin because I think the, the Texans are that next AFC team to take a big step. Yeah, and that was the thing was, you know, I definitely think Auburn was waiting on the Texans' season to get over as they made uh, made a little bit of a run in the NFL playoffs getting to the divisional round. And, and we've talked to them about that before with coaches, how, you know, they don't want to – most of them are going to talk about another job opportunity while their team's currently in the postseason. And so maybe with that game getting over and and, and maybe Auburn feels that he's the better way to go. How come all of us are pulling for the Detroit Lions, let's be honest? Are we? Well, I am, because they've been <laughs> so bad for so long. I don't know, man. I, you know me. I like the Packers, man. I don't, I don't think I've ever cheered for the Lions. <laughs> They're another team. I think the I think the Packers and the Texans are two teams that are destined to see each other in the future in the Super Bowl. I think that's young and they're they're up and coming. That's not a bad prediction. I mean, you got two young quarterbacks balling out in Jordan Love and uh, C.J. Stroud. Right, they're set those positions for recruiting. Christian, I wanted to ask you: Are are we kind of looking down the line at a Hank Brown Walker White battle at quarterback at Auburn? It might be trending that way for maybe not twenty twenty four, but twenty twenty five. That's definitely a possibility. I mean. Look, everyone at Auburn thought really highly of Hank Brown, and he was kind of written off by a lot of people, honestly, including myself. I didn't really ever include him too much in terms of the future of the quarterback room, but you saw kind of what tools he has in that Music City Bowl, albeit against some backups at Maryland. But still, I mean, he looked really, really good. The staff loves Walker White. Don't really know how Holden fits into the future of the equation. I just, I don't know there. But 2025, it really could be setting up for a, a Hank Brown, Walker White, and maybe whoever you sign in the 2025 class, those three guys going at it, maybe a portal guy as well. But Hank Brown and Walker White feel like potentially the future of that room there. That's how I've, I've kind of thought of it, and, and a lot of people have seen it that way, quite honestly, because the, the two things you heard about Peyton Thorne coming to Auburn was his accuracy and his decision-making, and I thought he was less than stellar in both of them. Yeah, you know, and, and all the factors that we always talk about, right, whether it be – the the receivers and the lack of guys getting open and then when he hits them in the hands they didn't catch it half the time and and the offensive line I think played fine last year I don't think it played great I think it did okay Uh, he got sacked quite a bit and the running game never really got established like we thought it would and so I think all of those things are key but there were also some really bad moments with Peyton Thorne he had some really bad throws and bad decisions and and I think he's owned that but you can only own it for so long right Terry eventually you got to fix the problem we got to move on Guys, take care. Appreciate it, Terry. Thanks for the call. 334-321-1390. And that kind of segues into uh, what what we're going to be talking about in this segment. Got a couple of minutes, and then we'll get into the next segment. You can call in 334-321-1390. Joined by Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. Guys that are on campus right now, right? You have guys that are recruited in the 24 class. You had guys that are through the transfer portal. Not everybody, but there's a a large group of them. Yeah, pretty much all of them. Not all, but a lot of them that are on campus right now. Kind of highlight some of those for us if you can. Just the biggest ones that are going or about to go through spring practice. And we know how much of an advantage that is. Yeah, uh, all the transfers are here or you know, the latest one, Antonio Kite. I, th- I don't know if he's here quite yet, but he's at least in that process of getting here. Um, let me just go through each position real quick. Walker White is here. Receivers Cam Coleman and Bryce Kane are here. Perry Thompson and Malcolm Simmons get here in the summer. Um, tight end transfer so yeah he's here offensive line you have Seth Wilford here you have favor Edwin here 
defensive line. You've got TJ Lindsay here. You've got Malik Blockton here. You have Amaris Williams here. The one you don't have is Dimitri Nicholas, who is not signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if Auburn will end up taking his signature in the long run. That's one that we're still tracking. Okay. That's an interesting situation. Yeah. Linebacker, you've got everybody here, I think, to my knowledge. Which is so crucial, yeah. man. And then DB, you don't have Amon Lane Gainis. And you've got everyone else. Wow. So the the only guys that aren't here are Dimitri Nicholas, who hasn't signed, Perry Thompson, Malcolm Simmons, DeAndre Carter, and Amon Langanis. Mm. So, I mean, just the the advantage that that gives, not just at the quarterback spot, but just everybody, because the transition and the jump from high school football to college football, and I don't care if you play 7A football in Alabama, biggest division in Texas, I don't care where you are. Matter. You're jumping to the SEC, man. It's a jump for for everybody that does it and so when we come back we'll continue talking about that we'll talk about what's coming up next we do have we have signing day in february whatever technically technically right technically signing day coming up in february as well we'll talk about all that and more with christian clemente from auburn 247 give us a call 334-321-1390 our number one continues after this Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing. Back up Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, joined by Christian Clemente from Auburn 247 for all of hour number one. It's been a while since we've had him on the show, our recruiting guru, but a wonderful time. We finally found a day or two that we're not both busy. I mean, and, and have and you are more busy than I am, and and with so much going on with with recruiting, it's some you just never know, man. We're always doing something, but hey, man, plug every you got going on where people can find you find all your content and everything you guys are doing over at auburn undercover yeah so it's all over at auburnundercover.com um if you want to join on with us you can get a dollar for your first month so scrounge up 100 pennies join us for a month see 100 what, pennies yeah see if you like it or not give us a give us a test drive um over there at auburnundercover.com yeah you guys do a wonderful job between i mean you and nathan and jason and everybody over there i mean it's just a wonderful job at auburn undercover and and your your specialty of course is recruiting and that's what we've been uh, talking about and continuing to talk about here in hour number one if you've got stuff to talk about and questions for us you can give us a call 334-321-1390 we were getting into uh the guys that are on campus right now the guys that recruits and the transfer portal guys that are on campus and about to go through spring practice and in the thing that I continue to say that you were kind of getting into as well is you can't understate how important and how much of an advantage I think is the way to put that how much of an advantage it is for young guys coming out of high school to get that extra what six seven months on campus with the team versus the guys that just come in through the summer and don't get to start till August. Yeah, time with the team, winter workouts, spring practice, learning the playbook, everything. I mean, it is it is really, really, really tough to be a summer enrollee and be an immediate contributor in game one. Mm-hmm. Now, you can work your way in. Like Jeremiah Cobb was a summer enrollee, and he worked his way in. But even then, he had a limited portion of the playbook where he actually played. Now, part of that was due to the running back room, but – 
still, you know, it's it's really tough to get into that rotation. So for a lot of these guys, it's going to be really big. For a guy like Cam Coleman, who you're hoping is a starter when you roll out there for game one, it's really big that he's on campus. You know, the thing that people probably don't know about Cam, um, as our recruiting guys call it, our scouting team, he's a puppy. He just turned 17 um, in the middle of his senior season. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so he won't be 18 really until Auburn kicks off Gosh. its season. So he's he's still just he's still just a little kid, really, and he's, he's going to be going through practices Man. and learning the playbook, which is really good and really big for him, um, and he'll be – you know, transforming his body a little bit with that strength staff that oh, yeah. we've heard a lot of good things about. The thing that in my life, and yours as well as we're around the same age, is, is that time we've finally gotten past that point where college athletes are not older than us. College athletes are now younger than us and now significantly younger than us, where you're talking about 17-year-olds to play in college football. I mean, how in, how absurd is that? And I think that speaks more to just how freaking good these guys are, man. Yeah, really good. I mean – Talking about Ryan Williams, he reclassified from 2025 to 2024, and he's the number eight player in the country, and he he should be a junior. Yeah, a junior in high school. And Cam Cam realistically should be a junior as well, and he's the number five player in the country. It's ridiculous. It's it's insane. And so um, you brought his name up, and you knew we were going to have to ask about it a little bit. It's the question that everybody's wondering uh, with the official signing day coming up in February. Remind me of the date again of what signing – the real signing day is so the signing period opens up on february 7th right but ryan won't sign until two days later in the signing period on his birthday february 9th okay and so you know we were kind of joking about that during the break as everybody does nowadays is you have the signing period in february but 75 80 percent if not more signed back in december yeah like, i mean it's like 95 96 percent that's insane yeah Oh, and, and you know that that goes back to the whole calendar thing. We're gonna get to you know we'll, we we could talk about that for the whole two hours <laughs> of the show if we really wanted to. And, and, and somebody like you who's in that space just understands how ins- absurd um, that that calendar is. But Ryan Williams, he is the last piece that Auburn's looking for of the freeze five of the twenty four class. The guy that just about everybody wants Auburn, Alabama, Texas. I mean, you name them. They want Ryan Williams because of how good he is, and um, it's been it's been a battle for Auburn. It's been something they've had to completely start from the ground up when Hugh Freeze and the staff uh, got here below the ground. Yeah, <laughs> six feet under, really. Yes, and um, they've I mean they have to grind and look. They're in this thing regardless, and and I think that's something you can talk to us about. Is they're in it. They've been in it. The question is. Where does he go in February, right? And so what can you tell us about kind of that development and how, that, how that's been going? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it all kind of got flipped on its head when Nick Saban retired and he decommitted from Alabama um, later that day. Um, and it had already been kind of getting interesting because um, his position coach at Alabama, Holman Wiggins, left for Texas A&M before Nick Saban retired. So that changed things a little bit, but he was still committed. But once Saban retired, he decommitted. Mm-hmm. Um, credit to Jason Caldwell. He said this on our show last night, and I would agree with him. So I want to make sure I give him credit for bringing up this point. Honestly, when he decommitted, it became a harder battle for Auburn because some of these other teams, like Texas was in it before, but not really. They had kind of given up. Like they weren't all in. They're like, you right. know, we'll, we'll put some feelers out there. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. They weren't really fully invested in it. Now when he decommitted, Everyone was like, floodgates have opened. Yeah, well, they're like, we've got a chance. LSU tried to get in, but they really couldn't. Texas A&M, he took an official visit there. Texas is really all in now. 
Look, he hasn't scheduled an official visit or talked about them at all, but I'm still watching Georgia because T-Rob is over there. That's his guy. That was his guy at Alabama. So I'm still keeping an eye on them as well. Um, but it's – look, it's it's crazy. It's a sweepstakes. Right now I think it's really between three teams. I think Texas A&M is on the outside looking in. Okay. I think it's Alabama, Auburn, Texas. He was at Alabama this past weekend. He will go to Texas this weekend. And he will be at Auburn the final weekend, um, that last weekend of January slash first weekend of February. It kind of overlaps there. And we've asked you this before, and, and you know I, I want you to, to explain this again, but how important, in your opinion, how important is it that he comes to Auburn last? How important? I, I feel like, for, in my opinion, for recruits, it's the first visit and the last visit. It doesn't always work that way, but I, I feel like more times than not, in my opinion, right, it's the first one that you get you get to set the standard, right? You get to leave that initial impact on a recruiting trip, and then it's the last one because it's the final one you get to think about. You have the final say, the final push, and try to convince them to come to your school. What do you think about all that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's the visit that you want. I mean, you know, we had a story with Ryan Williams this weeks ago now. He said, look, I was in Coach Freeze's office, and he said he calls last visit. So he gets the last visit. <laughs> so that I mean that it's clearly something that Auburn wants. It's something yeah. that pretty much every school wants. You want to get that lasting impact. Now look, you can still call him, FaceTime him, do all that stuff um, leading up to before he signs on February 9th, but you want to be the last person that he sees in person. You want to have that final pitch. You want to have that final NIL offer from your collective. You know, you want that final opportunity really. Um, and that's that's what this gives you. Whether or not it will matter with Ryan Williams. Only time will tell. You know, we, we don't know about that, but look, it worked out for Amaris Williams. You were the last last team to get him on campus. You got him. Um, some of these other guys, Perry Thompson even as well, you know, he visited that final weekend there for that USC basketball game. Yeah. So it's definitely advantageous. It doesn't always necessarily work, um, but you'd like to have the last visit, and so Auburn does, and we'll see what happens once he gets on campus. It was the USC basketball game, right, that Ryan was here, and he was there yes. in the student section, and ever, all the yeah. students were chanting, we want Ryan, and, yes. <laughs> and everything yep. else. And they had, I like, mean, the freeze five signs yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, so. look, Auburn fans want him. There's no doubt about it. And um, he, would, he would take the room to the next level. And here's what's the crazy thing. You said it earlier. This is already on paper and will most likely on the field be the best receiver class that Auburn has ever signed right now. That's before the Ryan Williams decision, which would just take it to the next level. That's the thing. And that's the thing where people need to be remembered. Yes, Yes. that's what I was going to say. If Ryan doesn't choose Auburn, it's going to be unfortunate because Auburn fans are going to be extremely disappointed. And some of them are going to be like, well, that was a failure. Ryan Williams is very, very good. You would go from having the best wide receiver class in Auburn history to having, on paper, the best wide receiver class probably in college football history. Jeez. Even if you do not get Ryan Williams, you still signed the best wide receiver class in Auburn history. Cam Coleman is the second highest ranked wide receiver in the country, and he's the number five player. He is just barely behind Byron Cowart in terms of the highest um, rated Auburn signees. We know how ever. that went. Yeah, but this I think this, this one is will be much, much different, different. Much different. So uh, look, either way, no matter what happens, Auburn fans have a lot to be excited about at that receiver position, especially when you look at twenty twenty five. I think yeah. Marcus Davis is going to get some guys in twenty five as well who are going to be really good and add to that. Yeah, what can uh, let's let's kind of get into that in just a second here too. The twenty twenty five. So Ryan Williams decides coming up in February. We're what like 
three, two, three weeks away from that, something like that, um, in that early to mid-February uh, for the early signing period. We'll see what happens with Ryan Williams and, and Christian Believes that Auburn's in it, and we'll see kind of what that looks like. But not only has Auburn signed a top 10 class, could become top five with Ryan. Is that correct for 2024? I actually don't think they would move up more than like one or two spots. Okay, okay. I feel like at one point it may have been, but not the case anymore. I don't think so. Okay, okay. Um, but still top 10 yeah. i mean and, and, and pushing it's, to make a top it's better five. than a lot of people probably thought it would be look at oh for sure the whole way i was like get inside the top 12 you're pretty good get inside the top 10 you're really good and you're eight you're so. eight right now could move up maybe one or two with the addition of ryan williams but then you start looking ahead to 2025 for albert football where they currently sit top five and have so much more potential 2025 seems like a long way away but in it's recruiting not. it's not no, I mean, they are outside of Ryan Williams. They've already turned their attention to 2025. They've had a couple, what I've kind of, Auburn hasn't called them junior days. So I've tabbed them as just mini junior days um, in the sense where, you know, last year they had that huge junior day with 200 plus kids on campus on one day that didn't really work out super well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's too many people. Yeah. And so this this year, what they've done is they get 15 or less guys on campus on one day. And it's, you know, instead of a recruiting person, a personnel person, whoever it may be, taking them around campus, you know, Caleb Cunningham, the five-star wide receiver, was on campus this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was with Marcus Davis the entire day. Yeah. Marcus Davis took him around campus. Marcus Davis took him to the stadium. Marcus Davis took him around the football facility. It's it's an opportunity for them to get a really, really good amount of time with the actual coach that they will be playing for. Um, and so far, it's worked out pretty well. They've had really good guys on campus. The results have been really good in terms of exit interviews and what they've had to say and the movement that Auburn has made. The 2025 class is going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I think Auburn is uh, – I think Auburn likes the idea of Nick Saban not, not being at Alabama and being able to open up the state maybe a little bit more. You know, the, Auburn cracked into the state a really, really good bit in 2024. The 2025 class is even better, and now you have an even – better opportunity yeah well well that's what i was going to bring up today too was you know and i've talked about that a little bit here on the show is you know auburn and hugh freeze had already started making some serious progress in this state and we know how much talent is here i mean alabama is a it's a top five state in the country for high school football talent right look in 2024 you got a five-star wide receiver from foley where julio jones went to alabama and you flipped him from alabama Mm -hmm. i mean that just doesn't happen it hasn't happened in 17 years right and Auburn had started making progress there. And then, yeah, the, the news that broke college football when Nick Saban retired on January 10th is now Auburn has a legitimate opportunity to continue sweeping through the state and really take it over if things don't go well with the new head coach DeBoer up in Tuscaloosa. I mean, what a golden opportunity starting in 2025 for Hugh Freeze and Auburn to hopefully take the state back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you have a prime opportunity where it's setting up for Auburn to be really successful recruiting in the state. So, look, we'll see. But I think Auburn is – I'm not getting this from someone at Auburn, but I would venture to guess that Auburn is – pretty elated with the opportunity that they have oh I, I mean everybody in college football is everybody in the sec yeah. is for sure i mean everybody popped bottles and and <laughs> got and celebrated when Saban retired and so look there's no doubt that it's a huge opportunity Auburn trying to take advantage of that they turn their focus to 2025 outside of ryan williams 
We'll wrap up our conversation with Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. When we come back, maybe we get his thoughts on this great Auburn basketball team as they take on Alabama tomorrow, and then we'll roll in to hour number two. Give us a call, Christian, here for the last segment here in the first hour, 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one and also, unfortunately, wrapping up our time with Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. Auburn Undercover joining us in the studio. Uh, I, I, I literally could not tell you the last time that we had you in the studio. Um, it's just been so long, so busy, so many things to to discuss. And, and we were kind of talking 2025 as we wrap up here in the final couple of minutes uh, on the show in hour number one with him. Um, you know, 2025 has potential to be just such a big year for Auburn football. Already is. I mean, they the, the recruiting class already is top five. It's early. It's very early, but there's a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot of potential there. And so let me ask you this, because I know a ton of people are going to have this question. How much does the on-field performance in 2024 affect 2025? It always does to an extent, but with the recruits coming in, with the schedule that tends seems to be a little bit easier than it has in the past, right? How much, do, in your opinion, does the on-field performance for Auburn football in 2024 affect what 2025 recruiting could look like? I think it will a little bit. You know, we talked about earlier in the show with a guy like Billy Napier getting negatively recruited because of a poor second season at Florida. Right. Look, I don't think Auburn needs to go win 10 games this year. But I think they need to take the next step a little bit, win seven games, maybe win eight games. I think if you do that, you're fine. I mm-hmm. think Auburn can sign a top five class. I really do in 2025. And I think if you win seven or eight games, I think you're right on track to do that. I think if you go six and six or if you have a losing record again, it's going to be an issue. So that will be just show a little bit of improvement, basically. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to to show progress. And in my opinion, you have to be able to – to show that you can fulfill your promises, right? To fulfill the things that you've told these recruits that you are going to do and that you can do. Because the moment that they start sensing you can't do that for them, guess what? Transfer portal, gone. Yeah, transfer portal, guys don't want to sign, whatever. Show some improvement in the passing game, stuff like that. You know, it, you, you just gotta, you gotta keep taking the next step a little bit. It's not gonna be night and day, but you gotta just keep improving a little bit. Say, look, we're getting closer, but we'd be a lot closer if you were here. Exactly, exactly. Well, we've got a couple of minutes with 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 Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. We appreciate his time. Uh, before I let you plug everything you got going on, in the perfect world of Christian Clemente, when it comes to recruiting, transfer portal, everything, quickly for us, lay out the perfect calendar. What would make oh, college football perfect for Christian Clemente to cover recruiting on a daily basis? What would it be for you? I mean, I know you've thought about it, and Oof. there's a lot that goes into a question like that. I get that, but in all seriousness, what would that kind of look like for you? Because nobody likes it the way that it is. No, it would... Gosh, if if you only made a couple slight tweaks to the way it is right now, it would probably be moving the portal back until you know after the season or at least where it doesn't overlap with signing day, like maybe the portal month is all of January. Then, of course, you run into the issue of guys needing to enroll and go through spring practice and classes and all that stuff. So that becomes an issue. That's an issue for people that are smarter than me and that are in those uh, meetings, thankfully, that I am not in. But 
something needs to be done with the timing of the portal. Um, obviously, Alabama fans are very upset and kind of for good reason with yeah. the way the roster is getting picked apart or was getting picked apart. It seems like it's slowed down, but that's just kind of the way it goes. Look, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, Michigan is going to be the same way. Same way. Washington got picked apart because Kalen DeBoer left for Alabama. Arizona is getting picked apart. It's just – and you have to give those guys the opportunity to leave when their coach leaves. But That just makes sense. Man, it's – it's tough. Yeah, there, I mean, it's just a free-for-all at that point. It is It is a broken system all around right now, and there's going to have to be a lot of changes. Well, look, NCAA, you're, you're, you're killing our guy, Kristen. All right? he, <laughs> he's, he's breaking his back. He's running all over the place. He has no time to go golfing. That's and, the biggest issue. Yeah. Have you played golf recently? Uh, the last time I played was the Ole Miss weekend, so no. Gosh, I played uh, I played Pines Crossing for the first time the really? other day. Really? I yeah. want to go out there. How was it's, it? It's nice. It is. It's very nice. You would not recognize. Did you play Indian Pines? I played it once, and I was not going back. Okay, well, you will not recognize this, this That's course. That's what I've heard. So. It, it looks completely different. They gutted the whole thing. It's very nice. Now, I played golf in January, so, you know, it's a golf course in January. So Yeah, you, I mean, but, yeah, you're smart. You know you know, kind of what you're getting exactly. into. But exactly. it's definitely – it's definitely better, which is nice. Oh, it's, it's going to be very, very nice. So, yeah, you got to go. We got to get out there and play a little bit as well. Hey, man, plug everything you got. Tell people where they can find you, how they can get all your great content, and everybody over at Auburn 247. We appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, so it's all over at auburnundercover.com, auburn247.com. We'll get you that link as well. Like you said, a ton of different content. Nathan is holding it down with the basketball stuff. Jason is cranking up baseball stuff as well already, which is crazy to think about. I know. He had a, he has a special series called From the Dugout. He had his first uh, kind of uh, story, I guess, today, talking about a football player that's out there with the baseball team now, actually. Um, so he had that. We've got recruiting stuff. So all that's over at AuburnUndercover.com. Awesome. And then they can follow you on X2 as well, right? Yep, at CClemente247. There you go. Chris and Clemente, Auburn247. Man, we appreciate you. Let's do this a little bit more often. Yes, huh? definitely. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. Hour number one is in the books. Coming up at hour number two, we'll talk a little basketball and maybe talk a little football news as well. Who is Auburn going to hire? For their new defensive coordinator, we'll have that for you in hour number two. Plus, Double D, Daryl Daprich joins us at 315. He'll be with us for 30 minutes today in hour number two, talking all things Auburn athletics as well. So you don't want to miss it. Don't you dare turn that radio dial. Hour number two, coming up. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two. 
on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hour number one is in the books. If you missed any of hour number one, uh, we had our good friend Christian Clemente from Auburn 247, Auburn Undercover, back in the studio with us. It's been uh, it's just been forever since we've had him in the studio. Look, football season's just kind of crazy around here. You guys know that, right? Football season is... It's a whirlwind uh, for guys like me, guys like him especially, who cover recruiting so well um, and on top of so many things when it comes to recruiting. And so it's tough to get him in here sometimes during the season. But, uh, man, we appreciate him and his time uh, for joining us all of our number one, talking all things Auburn football recruiting. What's been happening? What's coming up? What to expect? All the trends, all the news, all the stories, all the insider information that you could want from Christian Clemente at all. 247. So if you missed any of our number one, be sure to go back and listen to the podcast later on today when we post it after the show, man. There's so much good information there uh, from Christian Clemente. He's a great friend of mine and been coming on the show uh, for years, literally for years. And so um, that was all in hour number one. Coming up here in hour number two, we're going to talk a little basketball, kind of talk a little Auburn, talk SEC as there's some big games coming up tonight and tomorrow in college basketball. Also, uh, talk some Auburn defensive coordinator talk as well. There seems to be another shift in what could be happening and who could be hired there uh, for Auburn's defensive coordinator and we'll get to talk about all of this some more with Daryl Dappert's Double D will be joining us at 315 he is the Montgomery radio legend he's on with Zach Blackerby on Lockdown Auburn on uh, Fridays for that episode on that podcast and also on basketball post game shows Uh, so they'll be live tomorrow and so we'll be talking with Daryl Dappert for 30 minutes today in this second hour we'll have him on right around the 315 break so uh, be sure you stay tuned for that but before then phone lines are open Uh, you can give me a call before then before we get on with daryl 334-321-1390 that's the number to get you through to me call in what do you want to talk about what do you want to hear about what maybe what you want to uh, have me talk with daryl about if there's something particular that you want to hear us uh, go into as well so that'll be coming up in just a little bit and you can call in and we can uh, go over that as well i want to talk a little basketball here um because Auburn, uh, we talked about this some yesterday, and we'll definitely talk about this some more tomorrow when Auburn goes to Alabama, goes to Tuscaloosa. Um, They are up to number eight in the country, in the AP poll. And, you know, it took forever for Auburn to get ranked, right? We We just kept questioning, man, why is Auburn not ranked? Why is Auburn not in the top 25? There's no way that you can find 25 better teams in college basketball than Auburn, right? That's the questions we were asking ourselves. And it's very, very true, right? Because look at where they are now. They're currently ranked number eight in the country in the latest AP poll. They're also, when you pull up two of the other most important rankings, the net rankings and Ken Palm, Auburn is currently slated at seven in the net. They actually went down by one. They were six. They're consistently top 10, though, in the net rankings, 16 and two overall. They are 10 and 0 at home. They are 0-2 in quad one games. So that's something we need to keep our eye on here about this Auburn team is they're 16-2, but they've yet to get a quad one win. And 
Some of you, for those of you that maybe don't follow basketball as much or maybe unfamiliar with what the quad games mean, according to the net rankings, and you can just literally go uh, and type in net rankings and it'll come up on the NCAA's website, this is a system that shows where a team ranks based off of the teams that they've played, right? This is based off of the games they're playing, the teams they have, the schedule that they have, where you played, all that type of stuff. Ken Palm, that's a much, much more advanced statistical ranking. That takes in all sorts of numbers and adjusted numbers, and it's it's a lot smarter than I am. I understand it, but there's no way that I could put something like that together. And in that ranking, which some people value more than the net, just kind of depends, Auburn's number five in the country, according to Ken Palm, because their offense is good, their defense is greater, and the things they're doing to teams right now is truly unbelievable. I mean, they're winning SEC games. I saw a stat where I believe they're averaging 19 points of victory, right? They're, they're beating teams by 19 points a game right now in the SEC. But again, you go back to where that net ranking is, and Auburn's currently at seven. And out of the 18 games they've played this year, they've lost only two, and they were both quad ones. And as I was getting to, when you look at the net, you have quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four. And That is how all of the college basketball teams are broken up. From from the first team at the very, very top, all the way down as you scroll down to the very bottom with 362, which is Mississippi Valley in the SWAC, right in the SWAC, all the way up to the number one team in the net rankings, which currently right now is Houston. And so the quad breaks them up into four sections. Quad one is what I like to consider your top-tier NCAA tournament caliber teams. That's the way that I look at it. And really, that's kind of what the NCAA tournament committee looks at as well. They use both of these rankings very heavily, the net and Ken Palm, and some others as well. But they use these quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, and they use that when they're making decisions about who should make the NCAA tournament and where teams should be ranked when it comes to March Madness. And quad one, again, is teams that are NCAA tournament caliber, right? Those are good teams. Those are good wins. And I hate this term, but they're considered good losses, right? If you have a loss in quad one, it's not the end of the world. The thing you don't want to do is start losing quad four, quad threes, and you want your quad two record to be pretty good, okay? But the quad ones are the ones that you really want to win. You want to get those and say, oh, I'm, look at Tennessee. Tennessee's five and oh in quad one games, right? No, excuse me. That's incorrect. Tennessee is three and four in quad one games. Purdue. All right, Purdue, the number two team in the country, number two in net right now, seven and one in quad one games. That's the record you're looking for. What that tells me is out of their 17 wins, seven of them are high quality, NCAA tournament caliber, just good teams. And what does worry me a little bit about this Auburn basketball team 
is the fact that, sure, they're rolling right now. 16 wins. They've won double digits in a row. They're beating SEC teams, and it's not even close. But the fact that they're 0-2 in games against high-quality teams, that kind of worries me a little bit. And, of course, those two losses are Baylor, who was the first game of the season. They currently sit at 16 in the net. And the other one was your only other loss, was Appalachian State. The game you went and played and had your absolute worst performance of the season. And App State is right there inside of quad one status at 73 in the net. So the fact that Auburn's two losses are good losses technically, and again, I hate that term, I don't believe that's a thing, but according to this, they are, that's okay. But how many of those 16 wins are just kind of what some would consider fraudulent? I don't think that way, but I could understand why people would. And I could understand why maybe some Auburn fans are a little worried, some outsiders are not as high on this Auburn team just yet, because it's very easy for somebody to ask the question, who has Auburn beat? What has Auburn really done in this schedule so far? And I just don't know how much of an argument that we have just yet. Auburn's going to get there. And it starts tomorrow with Alabama. Okay, it starts tomorrow with the Crimson Tide. Even after getting blown out on the road to Tennessee over the weekend, Alabama's still a top 10 team in the net. They're ranked number 9th in the country. They're also ranked in the top 10 of Ken Palm at number 8. The rankings, the systems, the numbers, everything, they love that Alabama team. So you want to talk about a game that's massive tomorrow? No, Auburn's not playing a ranked game on the road. Alabama's not in the top 25 of the AP poll. But everywhere else you look, this is a really good Alabama team. And so how does Auburn play? How does Auburn look? How do they perform tomorrow on the road against what the rankings are saying is just their third tough game of the year. We're going to find out. And I think Auburn fans may have some PTSD here based off of what happened just a couple of years ago with a really talented team that climbed their way into the top 10 in January. That team got all the way to the number one team in the country in the AP poll. And the question and concern then became, have we peaked too early, right? Has this Auburn team gotten too good too fast? And I know people that don't believe in that narrative, and and I think they're wrong. I think it's a very, very real thing. And that Auburn team proved it with Walker and Jabari and everybody else that was on that team. They did peak too early. They got good too fast. They were the number one team in the country. They had issues. They had problems. And I sat right here in this studio, and I told you, if they don't fix those problems, they're going to lose in March. And that's exactly what happened. And so I think Auburn fans are starting to get that same feeling here, some anyway, is, okay, here we go. We've got a top 10 Auburn team that's playing really well as we get towards the end of January. 
have they peaked too early? And you start using all that information of, well, they've only played two tough games according to the metrics, and they lost both of them, right? One was neutral site, one was on the road. Auburn didn't win those games. And according to everywhere you look, Auburn has yet to beat a good team. I would disagree with that, but that's what they're saying, right? And so that's an easy argument to put together. And not easy, I think it's a legitimate argument to put together. But here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. I disagree wholeheartedly. I 100% disagree. Because I think Auburn has beaten good teams. I think Texas A&M is a good team. I think that's a Texas A&M team that could make the NCAA tournament. I think Auburn has beat a good team in LSU, who I think is going to be in the, S- or in, in the NCAA tournament. I think Auburn has played teams that very well could be good and have turned out not to be. I look at Arkansas, which that win's not as impressive as it was at the time. I mean, a 30-point win on the road's still nice in the SEC, but that Arkansas team's just not very good. You beat Indiana, who at the time seemed to be a good team. I think they've got a lot of talent, but Auburn destroyed them, and look at what the Hoosiers are doing. Not a whole lot in the Big Ten. Same thing with USC. Right, so you played a decent non-conference schedule and you just beat Ole Miss who was still ranked at the time and a team that will probably make the NCAA tournament maybe if they if they don't figure it out Uncle T-Bone said yesterday he doesn't think they do or they're they're the seven games they have coming up are pretty tough and if they don't win some they're going to be on the bubble which I agree with but there's something else about this Auburn team that just doesn't give off the vibe to me of what that team a couple of years ago did. I don't think this team has peaked too early because I don't think this team has peaked yet. I don't think they've peaked at all. But I also don't think that there is a significant drop-off waiting to happen for this Auburn basketball team. You could see it with the Jabari and Walker and Wendell team. You could see where it could just go off the rails and be really bad. Because they had those stretches, right? They had those problems where they would go through massive shooting slumps. They'd go through rebounding droughts. They'd turn the ball over. They couldn't play defense sometimes. Like there were things on on that current or on that squad that I knew were going to come back and get them in March in the NCAA tournament, and it ultimately did. But with this Auburn team, I don't care that they haven't beaten a quad one team yet. They're going to have their chances. Alabama, Mississippi State, Alabama again, Kentucky, Tennessee, State, right? And then not to mention teams like Georgia, who you have to play twice, South Carolina, who's playing good, Florida, a wild card in the SEC. You've got plenty of opportunities here to beat good teams. The question is, can Auburn do it? And I think they can. This team is so united right now and playing so well, but I don't see it as just being hot. I think they're just that good. I think they're just that good. 
There's too many players for this team to go cold. I don't think we'll ever see another App State-like performance again. Even on the road, which Auburn's going to be on tomorrow night, and on Saturday at Mississippi State, and three out of their next four. I don't think that happens again. Not to that extent. And there's just a, a, a mojo, a vibe about this team. And I really do think it comes down to they're deeper than everybody else, they're better than everybody else, and they're just that good. So I don't see the upcoming approaching drop-off. I don't think it exists. And I think Auburn could still get better as a basketball team. I think Janai could play better. I think the guards could play better. I think all of that. But this team's got to figure that out. And if they continue to play the way they're playing, they're going to do some really special things. We got to get to a break. We got to get to Daryl Dapridge. He'll join us when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I got to do a better job keeping track of time, and I got on a huge basketball rant, and I didn't forget about Daryl. I just ran over my time, and I was like, I looked at the clock, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we got to get Daryl Dapperch on the phone, but he's with us now. Daryl, happy Tuesday, man. You got anything about basketball you want to go on a rant about? Oh, yeah. It'll be plenty. It's great to be back on. Uh, yeah, no problem at all. I totally understand how that stuff happens, but I'm just I'm excited to spend some time with you be back on today. Yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. And, and for our listeners, Daryl is with us for the next 30 minutes or so. He'll be with us until 345 uh, here on the show. So we'll have this segment take a break. He'll be with us on the other side of the break as well. But we got about eight minutes before that break, Daryl. And so let's jump into all this because we'll just continue with the basketball talk. That's where I left off before the break. And I was talking about how Auburn going on the road tomorrow to Tuscaloosa. We'll talk about that game, of course, in a second. And I want to get your thoughts on the last couple of games. But the narrative around some Auburn fans and a lot of people outside of this Auburn basketball program is, well, who have they beaten, man? Who has Auburn beaten? They're 0-2 in quad one games. And has this team peaked too early? Blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with any of that, Daryl. No, first of all, you know, that old adage where you can't control who you play. And I will just say this. Auburn's had a bad luck, a bad stretch, a run of bad luck, because people that were normally quad one wins sucked this year. I mean, the Arkansas game comes to mind. You know, you go to Bud Walton and boat race Arkansas early in the year, you would have thought that would have been a quad one. Well, it's not, because the way Arkansas, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. even at home, should have been a quad one. It's not. So, you know, they're right there with Ole Miss, another one that possibly could have been a quad one, although I wouldn't have I would have counted on that at the beginning of the year. But A&M and Arkansas, Auburn should definitely be two and two in quad one. That being said, at the end of the day, it's not just how they're winning. I mean, it's not just that they're winning, it's how they're winning. Exactly. So I think the, the lack of a quad one, gets taken you know taken up by the fact that Auburn's killing people um now the opportunity is there over the next two weeks where you're going to have plenty of quad one opportunities and uh you have an opportunity to kind of quiet the masses there 
Well, what have you seen over the last couple of games? You weren't able to join us last week, so it's been a, a few weeks since we've had you on the show. And Auburn, yeah, they just continued to win. They beat LSU by uh, by 15 at home. They go on the road to Vanderbilt, a place they have not played well. They win that one by 15, and then uh, they were able to uh, do some unspeakable things to Ole Miss on Saturday night inside of Neville Arena. So what uh, what's caught your eye about this Auburn team so far over the last couple of games? I think that they can beat you in a variety of different ways. And I'll say this, the Texas A&M game was the closest game Auburn played. That was a double-digit win, but that game was, with about a minute and a half to go, a four-point game. So yeah. that is the one that Auburn, I felt like, needed to win to get over the hump playing a close game. Texas A&M style gives Auburn fits. Buzz Williams gives Bruce Pearl fits. So that game and the way Auburn won that game was very encouraging. Now, the LSU situation and the Vanderbilt situation – I was a little bit concerned coming out of that because Auburn didn't close. They got out to big leads, and it looked like they were right on the precipice of making a 30-point victory, and the whistles started. The officiating, like I said on the podcast, you know, those officials were in Nashville thinking they were on Broadway, and people came to see them. They're not at the Grand Old Opry. They were at Memorial <laughs> Gymnasium. Quit with that. Whistle. Nobody paid to see you come officiate. There and you go. That hurt Auburn. The LSU game, you know, Auburn was up 28-29 on the brink of probably winning by 35, and LSU got it to a one, to a single digit, uh, got it to nine, I believe. That, that was that was some things that Bruce Pearl were gonna use, was going to use as teachable moments and get some stuff cleaned up, and he did. And I think a result of that is what they did against Ole Miss. They come, they come out and they get a big lead in the first half, and they extend that lead in the second half and end up winning. You know, they're up 19 at the end of the first half and end up winning 23. That's what you want to see, killer instinct, foot on the throat, because in conference play, and when you have that depth that Auburn has, you have an inherent advantage of, of your second wave coming in and spanking people. You need to finish with that, or it's like an unused bullet in a gun. It's a waste. There you go. And that's really what Auburn has been doing, or I guess did against Ole Miss, and, and you brought it up. It's something Bruce Pearl, I mean, Auburn comes off the floor, wins by 15 in the SEC, and Bruce Pearl is all sorts of fired up in a negative way. I mean, he is very upset about his team in those in those few games where they didn't play 40 minutes of basketball, and that's something BP wanted, and yeah, you better believe it. They did that against Ole Miss, and it was a nice uh, nice little return against for Auburn to play out and Flanagan it's a it's a brilliant coaching tactic Nick Saban used it all the time Nick Saban would get angrier in close wins where he feel, felt like Alabama did not finish than he would a heartbreaking loss it looked like and that's because you want your team to stay engaged and not rest on their laurels and Bruce Pearl knows if Auburn has letdowns in a game that's 10 points Auburn you know gets to the 10 minute mark of a basketball game with 10 minutes left and they're up 10. They have the kind of letdowns they had against Vanderbilt and LSU to get you beat. The fact that they were up so much is why they were able to absorb that. They did not leave that to chance for Ole Miss. But when you go on the road like they're going to do tomorrow night and like they're going to do at the hump and those tougher at Ole Miss, you cannot afford to have those kind of lulls. Uh, you, you have to be able to stay engaged and play 40 minutes. You may be in a dogfight for 40 minutes as opposed to being up 20 like they've been in the past, but that's why it's important. And look, realistically, the basketball season is a very long season. To sustain 
the level of play that Auburn has is just it's not doable. It's not it's not realistic. So you're going to have to win some games ugly, and you're going to have to win some games where you're not playing your best. Auburn is capable, in my opinion, with the way they defend and the way they guard and how that travels. They could get into a situation, I don't think that'll happen in Coleman because you better score points to beat Alabama, but like at Mississippi State, you could see a game, an ugly defensive battle in the upper 50s. Auburn's capable of winning that type of game because of the way they guard. Well, we know Mississippi State. I mean, they they're one of the best defensive teams in, in, in the in the conference. Them, South Carolina, Auburn, all up there with really really good defensive teams. And you mentioned the the Alabama game coming up on Wednesday. And yeah, we know the difference in Alabama on the road versus how they play in Coleman Coliseum. Doesn't matter how many people are there to watch them, they still play well over there in that airplane hangar. So, Daryl, we're gonna talk about that game when we come back. As Double D joining us on the phone lines, he's with Zach. Blackerby on Locked on Auburn. He was on Montgomery Radio for years. He's a legend over there in the River Region. He's joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll talk more basketball, defensive coordinator, potential hires for Auburn football, and a lot more. That's coming up when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. And we're joined on the phone lines once again by Daryl Dapperch, Double D. Man, we appreciate you being with us. 30 minutes on Tuesdays. This is so nice, man. We just have so much more time to talk about all the fun things going on in Auburn athletics. Yeah, that's really a bar stool scenario, not the company, but the actual physical bar stool. That's right. That we can pull up and talk sports. 30 minutes seems a lot better than 15, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, we appreciate you and your time each and every week. And uh, talking more Auburn basketball before we get to football, and then at the end, want to give you a chance to talk about something for you. And then um, with Auburn basketball, we've been talking about that, and they go on the road tomorrow for what will be not only a quad one opportunity, Daryl. This is, I mean, other than the AP poll, any other ranking, Kim Palm net, wherever you look, this is a top 10 team in the Alabama Crimson Tide, and so is Auburn. And that's why. It's one of the most anticipated games, not just of the week, of the year. Yeah, you know, Alabama's sneaky good. I, I think just because they don't have a number next to their name, I, I, I'm like an eyeball test guy. There you go. And they do a lot of things that are that are concerning if you're trying to match up with them. I, I do like the fact that Auburn's not a team that will try to just – they can get out and transition and outscore you and run and gun you, but that's not their DNA. I think that they start everything based upon trying to turn you over, playing you know in your stuff defense, passing lanes, getting hands in passing lanes, blocking shots. Auburn really, really prides itself on playing tenacious defense. And you're able to do that when you play 10 guys because the effort you expend and the energy you expend to play that kind of defense wears you down. But when you do that in waves is where Auburn gets that advantage. So 
Alabama, as good as they are offensively, I think Auburn will, will, will limit them a little bit to what their scoring capacity could be. And I also think that Nate Oates is going to have to pick his poison. He's going to have to decide, does he want to go 10 deep tomorrow night and play 10 guys because of the fatigue factor with the way Auburn guards? Or does he want to ride his seven or eight guys, shorten the bench, and have you know dead legs, tired legs with Sears and Nelson and some of those guys against Auburn's fresh guys, bringing in a Cheney Johnson, a KD Johnson, a Trey Donaldson. I mean, you know, the, the Chad Baker Mazar. I mean, you just pick your poison. That's where I think this Auburn team at the end, I wouldn't be surprised if something was to happen and Auburn was, you know, not very hot shooting the basketball, a little bit cold, and Alabama shot lights out. That's happened before. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, so it wouldn't surprise me if Auburn was to get beat last tomorrow night. I don't, I don't think – you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's one of those that wouldn't be shocking to me because Alabama's a talented basketball team. But at the end of the day, I think the depth and the way Auburn guards is going to keep it just enough in the 60s or 70s for Auburn to pull this out. Well, depending on where you look right now, Alabama is a favorite tomorrow at, oh, yeah, at home. Everywhere. ESPN, Predictor, all that stuff. 63% chance that, that Alabama wins over Auburn. Should you know, it be that way? No, but I love it. Inject it into my veins <laughs> like that. They, Bruce Pearl will print that out and post that everywhere in the locker room and say, look, we're number eight in the country. We're 16-2. and two. We're undefeated in the SEC, but yet everybody else thinks that Tennessee and Kentucky is still better than us in the SEC. And the National and ESPN and everybody thinks that we have a 37% chance to win this game only. Disrespectful. And Auburn – and Bruce Pearl will absolutely use that to, to, to feed that basketball team. If Alabama does what they normally do at home and they just start firing on all cylinders, hitting everything they throw up from behind the three-point arc, Daryl, how does Auburn overcome that? I mean, yes, their defense is one of the best in the country. It's very underrated. But when a team like Alabama gets that hot, I mean – most of the time it doesn't matter what you do defensively. So if that is the case, and they typically shoot the ball well when Auburn comes to town, how can the Tigers overcome it? You've got to hope that that doesn't happen, or I think it's over. If it does, you've got to hope that it's not sustainable throughout the whole game. Key being they start out that way, but maybe in the second half, you know, don't. And Auburn can climb back in it and because Alabama's not shooting the basketball but if they come out and shoot 50% from three-point land in the first half, that's going to be very tough, mm-hmm. very tough to beat that basketball team. I think at the end of the day, if you look at the stats, Auburn has to hold Alabama in the mid-30s at least from three-point land, which is still good, but not scorching. If Auburn can do that and, and play transit, get, get baskets out in transition, get some turnovers that lead to transition baskets, then settle to that mid-water mark in the second half. Auburn doesn't have to shoot 40% from three to beat Alabama. They just have to shoot decent from three and try to get a lot more points off turnovers, off of transition baskets. You'll see Auburn tomorrow night extend tremendously. And without a guy that, you know, the, the, the guy that left last year uh, for, for Alabama that was a big loss, they're big. Without, without it, because Nelson's not a typical B. He um, loves to shoot it. Betty Ako? Yeah, Betty Ako. That, that whole, you know, that inside presence, Nelson, Sears, some of those other guys, they like to get out and extend and hit threes. They're not a very inside, post-driven, dominant basketball team. Auburn can 
run out to the three-point line, extend the, mm-hmm. the, their defense three-point line, and, and just hope that they don't try to beat you inside or beat you off dribble drive penetration. If they do that, Auburn has a good chance to not let Alabama get crazy behind the three-point line. Auburn playing one of their toughest games tomorrow. Auburn basketball, that is, on the road at Tuscaloosa. They'll tip off at 6.30 there in Coleman Coliseum. We're talking with Daryl Dapperts, Double D, joining us on the phone lines. He is uh, with Zach Blackerby on Fridays on Locked on Auburn. You'll also be live tomorrow night for a post-game show on Locked on Auburn. You guys do that after each and every game and do a wonderful job doing so. Want to uh, flip gears here for a second, uh, Daryl, and talk about what is the uh, hottest news in Auburn football right now, and that is... Who's Auburn going to hire as their defensive coordinator? It seems to be down to uh, a couple of guys. You've got Kiffin on one side and you've got Durkin on the other. Where does Daryl Dapperich fall? Yeah, I think that, you know, a couple of names, Arnett and Simon, the SMU Simons, I believe, defense coordinator has been bandied about too. I believe it's just a two-horse race. I think that it's between Kiffin and Durkin. I think that the question now is, is there blowback? from some of the higher-ups and admins at Auburn on the Durkin hire because of his history. And I know other people have hired him since then. I mean, he's been at Ole Miss and Texas A&M since the Maryland incident. But, you know, is there some blowback from Sanford Hall on that? The Chris Kiffin situation is he works six months out of the year as a defensive coordinator. Does he want to be a 12-month out-of-the-year guy with all the recruiting aspects and all that? And is money a factor? I still think it's Kiffin. And the reason why I think it's Kiffin is because you cannot interview or talk to somebody while the NFL playoffs are going on. They just got eliminated over the weekend. There was a rumor or a report that Auburn, you know, Hugh Freeze was talking to him today. I think if it was going to be Durkin, you would have been able to have the opportunity to hire him last week, especially with him waiting for this job over the Missouri job. Is it a case of throwing out feelers to see how the Auburn family will react if it's Durkin? I think this. I think Auburn's in a really, really sweet spot right here. And any of the names that I've heard mentioned that Auburn hires, are, I'd be happy with. And you can take your time and get it right because you have a freaking defensive coordinator on your staff already in mm-hmm. Charles Kelly. Yep. What's the rush? He's already on recruiting visits. He's scheming X's and O's. What an inherent luxury to have a seasoned, grizzled, veteran defensive coordinator already on your staff. Therefore, no panic button, take your time, do due diligence, and then I'm hearing that it will be announced probably this weekend. Yeah, that's that's sort of the uh, the feeling right now when it comes to the official defensive coordinator, but you're spot on with that, Daryl. And think about all the guys that are on that defensive staff already, and a lot of them were brought in because of how well they recruit, not necessarily because they're great coaches, which most of them are. Um, it, it's, it's about – recruiting and getting those big name guys on campus to sign the papers and to get them on the field for Auburn in the next couple of years and I think they've got that on both sides of the ball to be honest with you yeah you're not you're in a situation right now where you ain't worried about x's and o's and scheming game plans you're not you're not I mean you know you don't even have to do that until spring practice starts so the, the important part about having a coordinator in place right now is for recruiting visits and Auburn's already killing that you know, they're already handling that with the McGriffs and the Knicks and the Charles Kelly and all that. I mean, again, that, that notion that you have to be a defensive backs coach to go recruit defensive backs, or you have to be – no, Auburn does it differently. I mean, a lot of schools do. You can Derek Nix can recruit defensive players. Charles mm-hmm. Kelly can recruit offensive and defensive players. So 
you know, it, you've got that already experienced recruiter on your staff. That's what's the most important, urgent thing right now. You're not scheming X's and O's, so and Auburn's got that covered right now. Yeah, and, and I don't have to tell you this, and, and our listeners know this as well. I mean, recruiting is all about the relationships that the coaches build with the players, and it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm the offensive coordinator. I can only go and recruit wide receivers and quarterbacks and running backs. I mean, it's about those relationships. And, and, and Auburn, look, they've they've missed on that for years and years and years, and and it seems to be on the way back and that's I think what Hugh Freeze is going after when he's getting all these coaches is who can go out and build those relationships and want to recruit on the trail absolutely and he is putting together a wonderful staff to do that I think whoever he brings in will absolutely come in and mesh seamlessly with that Uh, and that's one of the things that's being considered for a guy like Zach Harnett who I love whose name's been mentioned I think he has really really tough defenses but I've heard he's not such a dynamo on the recruiting trail. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be able to be a hybrid. You've got to be able to do both. I, I, I get it that if Auburn did choose Arnett, they were, that's a, a good move because of his defenses, and you've already got a dynamic recruiter on staff in Kelly. But I think the days are, are long gone where you can afford to have one or two guys on your staff that want to just be more on-the-field guys and, and aren't very uh, dynamic recruiters. I don't think you'll see that anymore. Daryl Dapper is joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 as he does every Tuesday from 3.15 to 3.45. And as we're up against that, Daryl, I want you to uh, have the floor for as long as you want, man. You are uh, a part of an event coming up, and you're going to be uh, emceeing this, and you are it's something that's very dear uh, to your heart and an event that you're going to be a part of. So please share it with everybody here listening on ESPN, people on the podcast as well. Share what you've got going on and what people need to know. Sure, there is a, a tie to this, a collegiate icon tie to what I'm going to talk about, but I'm having the opportunity to emcee an event called Night to Shine. It's February 9th at Redland Hills Church in Wetumpka, and the reason why I'm talking about it on your station is we have, we have 75 spots total of attendees. For, it's, it's a special needs prom is what it is, and the Tim Tebow Foundation puts it on. We have 70 of our 75 spots filled, and not one is from the Auburn Opelika area. Mm. And I would love for anybody that's out there, the age starts at 14, but you can be in your 60s and come to this thing, as long as you're at least 14. If there's somebody in the Auburn Opelika area that's that really wants to attend this event, you're a caretaker for a special needs individual, this is an event to make that person feel like a king or queen. It's an incredible event outpouring of just rolling out the red carpet literally that's where i'll be emceeing and announcing these special attendees and making them feel wanted worthy and just like a king or queen they get crowned at the beginning of the event everybody that comes is is, it gets crowned as, as homecoming king or queen and i think it's just a really it's just really moved me my wife's on the committee our church is putting it on tim tebow came through and, and, you know, his foundation sponsors it. He came back and said, here's some more money for the event. So we're looking for two things. We are looking for anybody else that owns a business that wants to be a donor, that wants to help with the swag bags that every attendee is going to have, or just donating, because here's what we want to do. You can reach out at Redland Hills, call the Redland Hills Church, or visit the website redlandhills.org in Wetumpka to get information on how you can contribute. 
One of the things, Jacob, we really want to focus on, too, is the caretakers. Mm -hmm. The people that provide care, it's a 24 it's, it, it is. It's a, it's, it's a very, very humbling, fulfilling, but exhausting job to provide care and be a caretaker for someone with special needs. No doubt. We are going to give them a special night, too. There's going to be a respite relaxation room where we're going to feed them and make sure they have everything they want and they'll have some goodies. We want to really take care of them as well as the attendees. It's going to be a special night, February 9th from 6 to 9. Reach out if you want. If you've got an attendee, we've got five spots open, but if anybody wants to donate, we would love to try to really honor these caretakers as well and give them a special night also. Well, it's a very, very special event. It's something that I've seen because I follow Tim Tebow very, very closely with everything he's done post football with his, you know, his walk in Christ and and everything that he does with uh, with that event. And it really, really is. I've seen so many pictures and videos from those nights, and it's just it's something that not a lot of people are doing, Daryl. And um, mm-hmm. and and it's something that it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of of time and money and effort to put something on like that. And and it, it really just shows who you are as a person. To, uh, to be involved and such involved in an event like that. And so um, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Tell everybody again oh, where they can you, get involved. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to thank you for letting me have the floor to do this. It means a lot to me. This, I watched the video at my volunteer. Every, we have over 100 volunteers, and they all have to go through training. Because, mm. you know, there's special things when you're dealing with people with sensory needs. And, and so I watched the video, and... I ain't going to lie, I needed my Allegra. My allergies were acting up a little bit after the video. But you can reach us at redlandhills.org. Um, you can call our church and ask for Colin. Anybody, anybody that wants to enroll, have an attendee, and it's at no cost. I want to emphasize this. You do not pay a dime. And everybody that comes gets fed. They get hair and makeup done. The men get their shoes shined. We introduce them. They come out of special cars to walk the red carpet like you know, like it's an event, like an award ceremony. Like I said, they have swag bags. That's awesome. Drinks and food throughout the night. We we are making every need that they have met at this thing. And literally, like Tim Tebow said, they are children of God, children of the King, and we're going to treat them like kings and queens Friday, February 9th. As they deserve. And so thank you again so much for that. And anybody that wants to be a part of that, donate, volunteer, um, have someone who can attend to that event. Again, February 9th, uh, Night to Shine there. As Daryl Dappert, you'll be emceeing. What a great uh, what a great choice they made to have you on the mic, man. You'll have a lot of fun with that. I know you will. Oh, I'm going to make them feel like they're coming to the ESPYs or the Oscars. <laughs> and that, that, that's that's what I'm so excited about is to make them so excited. It's going to be great. Awesome, man. Well, look, we'll talk to you between now and then, but we appreciate you, and uh, um, we will uh, have you on next week. And then, um, yeah, that'll, that event will be coming up, and we'll have so much more to talk about. But, man, thank you so much for your time. And uh, you can find Daryl Dapperts Locked on Auburn Fridays and post-game basketball shows. That'll be tomorrow night on YouTube uh, following Auburn and Alabama basketball. Daryl, thank you so much, brother. I, I appreciate you. Thanks, Jacob. Have a great weekend, brother. You too, man. That's Daryl Dapperich with us on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll come right back, wrap it up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Thanks so much to uh, Daryl Dappert for joining us on the on the show as he does every Tuesday, uh, talking all things Auburn athletics, basketball, football. We'll get to baseball when that season comes around as well. But man, he's Daryl's just he's one of the best dudes you're ever gonna meet, man. I just I mean that wholeheartedly and and with everything I have, man. He's just such a wonderful guy. And and look, if you're interested in what he was just talking about, Night to Shine, the Tim Tebow event, he'll be emceeing that February 9th. Reach out um, to the Redland Church and, and be sure that you are, are, are a part of that, man. It's such a special thing and Daryl being involved does not surprise me at all. Uh, he's just, he's, it's just something else to add to the legacy of Daryl for him being involved and what a great event that is for special needs uh, people who are involved in that. So thanks to Daryl for jumping on the show today. Also, Christian Clemente from Auburn 247. He joined us in hour number one, the entire first hour talking all things Auburn football recruit so if you missed that, uh, you can catch up with that on the podcast as well. Tons of topics and conversation on the show today, man. It was really, really good. We talked all things 2024 recruiting, 2025 recruiting. I mean, you name it, we talked about it with Christian Clemente and recruiting, and then Daryl was with us in that second hour. Also, I had a big old tangent about Auburn basketball and uh, kind of my thoughts on why I don't think a drop-off is coming. And you know what? I think Auburn's got a good chance to win tomorrow night on the road at Alabama, even if they are the underdog. I think that's wrong. I absolutely think that's wrong. So we'll talk about that some more on the show tomorrow. Uh, Uncle T-Bone will be back in the studio. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us. We'll talk all Georgia football, basketball with him, and tons more basketball and football things to talk about on the show tomorrow. But tonight, really quick, high school basketball. I'll be on Tiger Country 1045, 545, Lee Scott hosting Valiant Cross. That's on Tiger Country 1045. Valiant Cross beat us last time, so we got to get a, 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 another bounce back win there. And then Auburn High hosting Smith Station. Girls and boys, Jumpin' Jack Hunt will be on the call. You can find that on 96.3 W. Lee. That'll start at 515 girls and boys. So tune in to those. And until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.